Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. Feeling the coolness in the air. Days are getting shorter. We got a little bit more darkness going on. So maybe that's why it's perfect timing for Blink. Has anyone gone down this weekend to the big thing happening downtown? Anyone? You can raise a hand. I see a few hands. All right. If not, it's still happening tonight. So all the things I tell you about can be yours from 7 to 9 p.m. tonight. Caitlin, my daughter, is working at a booth down there to sell t-shirts. So find her near the Underground Railroad Museum if you're down there. It's packed. It's wild. But it's fun to always see people in our city. And our city has just been filled with light. And we can flip over to the next screen. Thank you. So this is night number one. I went with Sam and we were in the Covington section. So there's zones. This is going from There's 101 installations that covers 30 city blocks, and they've got zones. They've got a Finley Market zone up top, Covington, Kentucky, across the river at the bottom, and everything in between, and you can see stuff along the way. There's a lot of walking that happens. Um, Parking is tricky. Buses are free. Lots of good ways to come see. But the point is to find these little installations of light. And they have a map where they can tell you all the different things. And there's interactive exhibits. There's things you can walk through. There are different murals that are lit up. But what's on the screen here, and I forgot to upload my video, but we're going to see one here in a minute. It's called projection mapping. So if you look at this building, they have actually used software to map out the exact dimensions so that when they show this light show, it's hitting the little features. So on the pink building there, there's those there's little architectural features all down the side and they would all like flicker at different lights so that when it's created, the show is intention to focus on different points of the building. And on the church, at one point, it like shimmers and suddenly it makes it look like you're looking inside the bricks. And they do all of these um, projection mapping because that is a very creative thing that happened in Cincinnati. The reason why Blink began, we have to step back and look at luminosity. Did anyone experience the Cincinnati Symphony in 2013, 14, 15, 16? They did luminosity, and you can flip to that next slide, and it's Music Hall. And that is where it began, and they started this projection mapping, and the symphony was playing along with it so that there would be these beautiful songs, and you would watch this light show appear, and at some point, If a video is working, we're going to play it behind me. So this was designed because they were welcoming a new music director, Louis Langray. But then everyone had so much fun because it was this free event. You could just show up at Washington Park and you could watch this and it was a way to bring the city together. And so then they repeated it and tried some different things about it. And after four years of luminosity, the foundation who funded that piece looked at Brave Berlin, Agar, and Artworks, who were three of the creative organizations who created that demonstration, that experience. And instead, they said, what's next? Okay, we see this beauty here, and we watched the way we could use light 
in a dark night to bring people together. And so Blink was born. And it's apparently one of the first in the U.S. that's like spans a city. And the, the big thing was, is that one, they were like, it's got to be free. And I mean, like, you just wander through the streets, can't really hide that, and look up at the buildings. And then they said in 2017 that they estimate about a million people came through, through downtown to look at all these light displays. And the other piece of it was that any artist in the city, you could submit an idea and you could get chosen. So every time they've done Blink, it's all local artists that they try to invite and say anyone can submit an idea because they were astounded by the amount of creative people in our city. And then we got to this point where people kept asking like, well, why'd you name it Blink? And what is your point? What is your purpose of all this? And so finally, two of the people who were creating all said, well, we need a manifesto. We're going to read that here in a minute. But Dan Reynolds of Brave Berlin just said, art has a way of cutting through all of our differences, creating a shared moment of community. We're most proud of creating this experience and sharing a moment with a million of your best friends. Everyone be sharing in awe and wonder. Their point was to bring people together. And so if you don't like crowds, don't come out because it's very crowded. But it's truly fun to see people experience the city and you can wander by and people are like, oh, what is this building? Or I've never been on this street before. And it's fun to just hear people experiencing this community with one another for the first time. Awe and wonder and light, creativity. These are all not new concepts. They're ancient. And so today we're going to read in our scripture. We are in our series, Hope and Light. And as you can imagine, today is about light. We have finished First Peter. We spent five weeks looking at the way Peter took his commission as a disciple of Jesus and shared wisdom with how the ancient church should live it out. The first church created. Jesus went back to heaven and we had 12 apostles who were assigned to lead this new thing called the church. And so people gathered in homes and they lived in a culture that was very different than ours today, but also similar in some ways. And they felt struggles to try to figure out how to live like Jesus and surrounding people looking at them funny and questioning them. And so Peter gave wisdom to churches in what's modern-day Turkey. And now we're headed to 1 John. John was another disciple of Jesus. He was another church leader. And so he is writing to a specific church, and he is going to try to share his experiences, having lived with and learned from Jesus himself, and trying to help people in this church, in this context, to figure out something was going on here. Because all of these are letters, and we're only getting one side of the conversation, so we have to do a little bit of piecework. So like, okay, John's writing a letter, and he's got a point here, and he's sharing something. There's something on his heart. There's something that these group of believers are going through. So we're going to look and see what his purpose is today for writing the letter, and then dip into a little bit of opening about God being light. So let me do a little intro for us. Before we read into scripture, let's look at the basics. Who's our author? This is John. He's one of the core people. We said in Luke 10, we read about Jesus specifically commissioning like 72 disciples to go out, practice preaching, 
healing in his name. And so we know there was this at least 72 who were like, we're bought in. We're going to live this out. But then we zoom in, and we know he had 12 guys that he was mentoring because he knew that he was going to give them the responsibility to be apostles and leaders of this church movement. But we zoom in even more. And last week, we briefly mentioned Martha. Martha, Mary, and Lazarus were three siblings that it says Jesus loved them. So he's got some deeper friendships within this community of disciples. So we're zooming in more. And then we see Peter, James, and John, three of those 12 who were mentioned again and again with some special experiences. They were mentored on an even deeper level. Maybe Jesus knew they were going to take on more responsibility, or he knew they had some extra things to learn. Peter, James, and John saw Jesus on a mountain talking to Moses and Elijah. Three were chosen to go experience that with Jesus. John was among them. Peter, James, and John also had some small group prayer time the night before Jesus was arrested, or as he was getting ready to be arrested. Now they fell asleep a few times, so they weren't perfect by any means, but they were part of this core group with Jesus. And Jesus also took those same three into the house with him when he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. So John, who's writing here, we have to know that he didn't just know Jesus, he knew Jesus. He got to see in behind the curtain some more of the things that were going on. He was close. So we know that when he speaks, he speaks as not just an eyewitness, but as like a friend of Jesus. John actually is the same author who wrote the book of John. So we've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, our four gospels that tell us about the life of Jesus. Same John there, also wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, so he wrote some letters too. And we're going to actually see some similarities in the books today. Next, John's style is repetitive. Now, I don't mean that in a negative sense, but in the way as you would read poetry or you hear a song and a refrain is brought forth, right? So we repeat certain themes and as we sing them, or as we read poetry, or as you pray over something again and again, you bring God's wisdom back into it. Because we don't need to just hear things once, right? It's helpful to have repetition. And so John, in his writing, has this, like, he has a poetic sense about him, and I love it. Love this style. But you can just think of it as music or poetry as we read. So in this vein, I wanted to take the book of 1 John and not just read it straight through as a letter, but let's look at these themes woven in. Let's do something a little bit different and repetitious. So in each week, we're not going to stick with just one chapter. We're going to look at a theme woven throughout. And as we said today, our first one is light. Now the third thing we want to look at is the purpose. Why did John write this letter? He wanted to remind and spur on. Those are our keywords, okay? So John is using what's called display rhetoric or epideitic or ceremonial rhetoric. In other words, he's going to be persuasive in what he's talking to this church about, but he's doing it in a way that he's bringing up their core values. And this style of writing is to say, like, remember Let's remind you what you've already built your foundation on. Begin there, and because you believe that, then, dot, 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 
because you believe this, then take action in this way. He reminds them, he spurs them on. Fancy words for this is called orthodoxy and orthopraxy. You can have some vocabulary for your day. Orthodoxy, what you believe. Orthopraxy, how you live it out. So John is saying, if we believe this, then we must live it out. Or else, what are we doing? Why do we believe something if we're not going to live it out? And so we can see that John, later on, we're going to dig into this church specifically. We're going to get some hints that they are going through a crisis. And part of this crisis is that people are questioning and kind of splintering in this church about, okay, who was Jesus really? What did he really say? They're starting to question this. And so John is pastorally coming along to say, hey, remember? Remember, I was there. Let's come together and remember what you already believe. Don't, don't stray from that. Like, stick with me. And then let's live it out together. So John, just like we looked at 1 Peter, he's saying, I know you're struggling. You're struggling right now. So let's, let's talk. Let's talk it out. It's just that encouraging letter. You know, you've ever gotten an encouraging text or a visit from a friend who was just like, okay, I know you're going through some stuff. Do you ever have somebody remind you of who you are and what you're good at? It's just good to have those people in your life. And John's doing that for this church. He's like, I see you. I see what's going on. Let's keep going. You're in some darkness. Let's step into the light together. So that gives us our setting and the caring response that's going to happen here. So let's look. At John, 1 John, we're going to start from the first verses, and I'll be reading from the New American Standard Bible. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, and the life was revealed, and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father, was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. Indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. That's very beautiful, but I'll have to tell you that from a former editor's perspective, that's a really long sentence. <laughs> But I love it, okay? I was like, where did it, where did they put a, is there a comma? There's some other, like, is it, where's the verb? There's a lot of things happening. But I just felt to read it out loud, and that's what they were supposed to do. You're supposed to get a letter, you read it out loud to the church, and imagine just hearing that, like, John is saying, Jesus is the word of life. And he's like, I didn't just see it. I just touched him with our hands. Like, we were there. It's just this beautiful picture. Now, notice we don't have, like, an introduction like a lot of the letters. You know, Paul is usually like, hi, it's me, Paul, writing to you, the church in this place. And so we don't have that here. It's just like he just jumps right in. But right up front, we see the poetic style that reminds us of the Gospel of John, chapter 1. John, the book of John, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And him was life, and the life was the light of mankind, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not grasp it. So 
you can see he's starting both of his pieces with a very poetic style. He brings up Jesus as the word. He's like, I'm just going to start right at the beginning. The beginning is Jesus, and that's what we're basing everything on. So he's got this signature here. But more than that, just as John was trying to say, I'm a witness to you. Like, I know you haven't met him, but I did. So I want to tell you that it's true. Like, he's just really trying to help people see what he experienced. But it's like, it's like he's trying to say, look, I had this rabbi that I learned from. And he was my friend, but he was God. And I imagine, just as he's trying to communicate to people who had never met Jesus, imagine how interesting it would have been to be like, to come to that conclusion himself. Because when you're hanging out with a friend, sometimes you recognize their greatness, but maybe not always. Maybe you got to step away, or maybe it's slowly revealed and you slowly realize how talented or amazing your friend is. And John had this. He's like going through these three years and suddenly realizing he is the Messiah. Like, when did that click in John's brain? We see Peter reacting sometimes in scripture, but we don't know when John really took that in and recognized that this person he'd been spending all this time with was, in fact, God. So this concept of fellowship he talks about. John says, look, when we are called to proclaim what we saw and heard, that's my commission. He's like, and when you believe, you join this group this fellowship, this friendship, this family of God. And so then when that happens, you and I are also connected to God the Father and Jesus the Son, and he's just saying you're joining something. You're not alone. When you believe in Jesus, you were connected. Theologian Esau Macaulay zeroes in on verses 3 and 4 here, where it says, These things we write so that our joy may be complete. So the apostles were told by Jesus, go into all the world. And he's like, that means all people. We've talked about that these churches were made up of people who grew up Jewish, people who grew up non-Jewish, from all these different backgrounds. And Macaulay says, therefore, this vision of our joy needs to be complete. And he says it's not complete until everyone knows, until people across ethnic lines come together, and then that is the completeness of God's word and God's commission. Let's keep reading in verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him, from Jesus. We announce to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So here's our repeated refrain again, refrain, right? We've got some fellowship, we've got some walking in the light. He just keeps he's practicing, saying different words here, bringing back the same message. God is light, so therefore... Jesus is light, Jesus is God. If we believe in Jesus, if we follow him, then let's walk in the light. That's, a, that's his conclusion. But I love how N.T. Wright noted in his commentary, it was just an encouraging reminder for me to read too. He's like, we don't have to have it all together. Like walking in the light doesn't mean you fix yourself up perfectly and then you can be in Jesus' presence. It's like, no, 
you step into the light, and then you figure out, oh, I was in darkness before. He's like, that's the reality. Jesus just wants us to say, without him, it's darkness. Without him, we've just had stuff. We've been carrying stuff. As we said last week, we've been carrying a weight. We've been carrying burdens. And they're not all instantly going to go away, but we don't have to have it all together. He's just like, just be willing to walk toward the light. Be willing to say, I am broken. I'm not perfect. I do sin. I need light. I need healing. That willingness to speak, that willingness to commit and to say, Jesus, I believe you are the answer to what's broken. So here we have seen John is woven poetically, orthodoxy and orthopraxy, fancy words, all in that poetic light conversation. That Jesus, when we fellowship with him, we're on a new team in a new family. And his blood, somehow, miraculously, his death on the cross covers our brokenness, our sin, our darkness. It's a mystery. It's not easy to define. But we can trust, John says. John's like, you can't see it, but trust that that is what's happening when you join Jesus. Now, let's jump into chapter 2 of this letter. Because John is coming back around to light several times throughout this conversation. And in verse 7, he says, Beloved, I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have heard from the beginning. An old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I'm writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. This was that kind of rhetoric we talked about before that John is not bringing up new information. He's trying to reaffirm, reconnect with what they already believe to say like, you value this? You, yes, you do. Yep, let's keep going. Like find what was already inside of their hearts and their minds. It says it's an old command. When Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus brings forth all of God's word in scripture up until his life. And he said, in Deuteronomy, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And he quoted the old commandment in Leviticus to love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus said, the old commandments that I'm living out in my new life, they're actually ancient. They're actually what God has created all along in this life, that we're to love him and love one another. But Jesus did bring a newness to the message because of his actions, and he was living out. He was the conclusion that all the things that had come before, the signs of light and life were fulfilled in Jesus. So Jesus lived out the old commands but brought new life to it because he died and then he defeated death by raising again. That Jesus rescued all of humanity and that was the new page he brought to the book of life and light. So finally, we're going to read where John gives a challenge to the believers. Now that you remember these things, what are you supposed to do in this action? Verse 9 of chapter 2 says, The one who says that he is in the light, yet hates his brother or sister, is in the darkness until now. 
The one who loves his brother and sister remains in the light. There's nothing in him to cause stumbling. But the one who hates his brother or sister is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So John is telling the church, walking with Jesus, it, it involves other people. You are in a fellowship now. There, there are going to be other people along with you. It's not always going to be easy. They're not always the people you picked. They're not always the people you would have chosen or you always see everything eye to eye with. He's like, put away the hate because in the light is all that love, those old commands of love God and love your neighbor. It sounds simple. It's something we may have heard of since we were kids. Maybe we were asked to memorize it. It's harder to live out. You, you meet some people and you see some people and you go to family gatherings or you go to blink and run into some people and sometimes you're like, mm, that person's hard. <laughs> but we're called to put aside hatred to bring about Jesus' light. So to summarize, what did John tell us? What did he tell the church? What does he remind us today? God is light. Jesus is God, therefore Jesus is light. And as believers... Let's live in the light. So we said this is a letter to a church that was a long time ago. That was their context. John's trying to help them along. So then what do we take from it? How do we look at how they were called to live and live in our current culture? So I feel like it's a little tricky. John's telling them, hey, you haven't met Jesus, but I did. But we're so much farther removed than now we're trying to trust in an ancient manuscript of a person who said they witnessed Jesus and also telling us things. So it takes a lot of faith to trust that these words are true. And I feel like God sees that. He's like, when we believe, we who haven't seen, he credits that to us as righteousness and faith. Like, he made us. He's going to know that it's harder the farther and farther away we get from when Jesus lived on this earth. We have to have immeasurably more faith that translations and that ancient people passing the word on to one another, we can trust that. But I feel like those of us here today are here for a reason. That there's something in our spirit connected to God's spirit to know that yes, we have witnessed and living and active in our world, in our lives. That there's been some sort of light that we have connected with to know that it's worth stepping toward and asking questions and that we can come not with it all figured out, but we know who to come to or we can come together. That we don't ask questions or walk through darkness alone. There's darkness going on in our world, in our hearts, in our lives, in, in people's lives we love. But we're promised that we can still step toward the light together. Not everything is easy, even trying to light up a city. Some of the original members who created Blink this year stepped away from the project. There were some disagreements there. But they're still proud of the work they made. I went back and looked at an Instagram post when Brave Berlin decided to step away from this project this year. And they said, we're still proud of the things that people from Cincinnati brought to the project. He's like, even when we couldn't always agree, 
the people who came brought the light. And back to that manifest of why Blink was born, they said, we still hold this and believe it to be true. The people of the future city are united and enlightened. In the blink of an eye, their hearts and minds glow with the radiance of transcendent knowing, knowing the light of a thousand tomorrows of opportunity and hope, knowing the light that shines from their hearts is all that was ever needed to stay the darkness of ignorance and poverty. That was their hope for what a future city would look like. And then they said, we just wanted to take a step toward it. If we imagine that to be the future of Cincinnati, here's our way of stepping toward it. And I feel like that connects us with John, who is saying, here's what the future of church should look like. Let's take a step toward that together. Whenever we attempt to live out Jesus' light, we're taking ancient wisdom and bringing something new to it because we have a new day. Each new day for us, we can bring newness to that ancient light and we're going to have new challenges and we pray for God's new strength his mercies and compassion that are new every morning as we live in the light we have fellowship with God with Jesus with the spirit we're not alone and we can bring that light to others so the word lumens that is a measurement of how much light you were getting from a bulb. I had to remember this word. More lumens means it's a brighter light. Fewer lumens means it's a lesser, dimmer light. And so then the word luminosity is the relative quantity of light, how much brightness you're bringing to something. So therefore, when we see the word luminosity that started this whole light in Cincinnati, it was a play of spelling to bring light into the city. So, our ending question today, what is your luminosity? How much light are you bringing to the world? I feel like that's what we can take from the scripture. The people in the first church were asked to let the light shine and see how they were doing with one another in their community. And we can ask the same. What's the fellowship we're bringing to our communities, to our city, to our world. How much light are we bringing? We can shine it. We can be aware of where Jesus is guiding us. The way you shine your light is going to be different. You're going to be in different places than anyone else around you. You've got different opportunities. You're going to encounter different people. But again, I keep going back to the fact that God knows. He created you. He knows where you're headed. He knows what experiences you're going to have. And he's going to provide if you seek him. If we look to Jesus and say, please, I'm calling on you. you I'm here. What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to be light in any sort of way? I believe. I have faith that God will answer. It won't leave us just alone that his light is in us and we can shine. So let's be luminous, be available, be aware of where Jesus is guiding us this week, this month, and through this new dark season as the days get shorter. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for light. Thank you for the things that we can see 
when you illuminate our minds and hearts through your word, through other people, through the spirit moving and guiding and showing us new things each day. Sometimes we don't feel very important or effective. There's a lot more darkness than light. Sometimes it feels. So we ask that you would shine through us and that we would come together and have strength and fellowship with one another. That we don't live for you alone and that we don't have to have it all figured out. Thank you for allowing us to come as we are and you take us further. So we commit ourselves to you right now, Lord. Help us take a step further into your light. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person, we meet on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.